0: In Colorado there was an event just a few weeks ago where a student 12 years old little girl was invited to an after-school thing uh, by her teacher and I think it was the homeroom teacher how many know uh, the story I'm talking about all right I got one for sure and uh, so the first thing it started off with in the class was Do not tell your parents. Can you imagine what the discussion was about? Gender identity. LGBTQ RSVP, you know, all that. Of course, the daughter told her mother, thankfully. And the mother inquired about it and went to the teacher and said, what's going on? And the teacher just dismissed the mother. So she went to the school board and the school board dismissed the mother. And she went to the principal and the principal said, according to the state of Colorado, we have the right to protect our children. And that does not include the parents. So the mother moved out of the school and took her kid to a Christian-based program. I wonder, how many other things in our public schools need to be exposed by the light? The lesson is called, Declare God. Confidence, exposed, and readiness. The first point is confidence. Confidence is something that people need to develop. It's a building process. For those uh, children in our life, they need to build confidence so that they can leave home. Sorry, Mindy. So they can leave home and start a life for themselves. For those who now have grown children, can you imagine your 30-year-old still living in your basement? Is that a no or a yes? We want to push forward their lives so that they continue to build their confidence. Get them out of the house. Teach them to jump out of the nest and to fly on their own. But when society tells a child, don't tell your parents about what we teach you, what are they attempting to do in respect to a parent's role and or authority? Take away the child's confidence in their parents. Diminish trust and place it in a different spot. And for a Christian parent, that should be really troubling. It should set you on the edge of your seats. It should bother you. We should teach the confidence of being a Christian. Hebrews chapter 3, 5 through 6. Now Moses was faithful in all of God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house. Can I emphasize that one again? And we are his house. Are we the state of Colorado's house? Are we the nation's house? Are we the community of Flagler's house? No, we are his house. If indeed, if indeed a conditional statement, we hold fast to our confidence, and are boasting in our hope. Does that sound like God wants us, wants the disobedient to teach their children, his children, morals? Does that sound like God wants the disobedient to teach his children morals? Now, I don't want my children to put absolute trust in me. That's for sure, because I am faulty. I am faulty. Sure, that is a job of a parent to encourage that trust. But as a Christian parent also points out that trusting God is even greater than trusting the parent. Because whose house is it? Is it my house? Talking about the big picture. No, it's God's house. It's God's house. We are stewards. Of the children that we have, but they are his children. I have learned to say, I'm sorry, or I was wrong, or I could have handled that in a better way. So because they understand that, they put their trust in me in Crystal because we are looking out for their best. Even though we mess up, we are looking out for their best because we understand where the best comes from. But compared to God, what is my role as a parent? It is to teach the message of God in Christ above all else. All else. Is math good? Yeah. Is science good? Yeah, but the message of God in Christ is even better than that. Absolutely it is. Absolutely. This was God's approach for parents in respect to the old law. Listen to this. You shall teach them diligently. What does diligently mean? Mm Constantly. Constantly with struggle, with purpose, with a proper attitude, diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, Deuteronomy 6-7. Though our teaching is different according to the Christian era, should the role of the parent be any different? Are we to be involved in teaching our kids the right morals, the right way, the right discussion discussion God and Christ above all else? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. The apostle Paul was confident. But why was he confident? Was it because he was a Pharisee in the past? Great confidence there. No, 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 that wasn't it. Was it because he was male, a male society as a lot of us deem? Was that where his confidence laid? No, no, that wasn't it. Was it because he was intelligent? No, no, it wasn't his intelligent. Was it because he never sinned? Well, we know that's faulty, isn't it? He sinned and we all do, so that's not where his confidence lay. Was it because he earned God's favor? No. I have met a lot of people who claim to have confidence in God and Christ. And you have too. But they do not read their Bible. They do not teach their children God's path for them. They do not encourage Bible study or even being with people of like mind. Their confidence is in God's grace. but not in following his vision. Their confidence is in God's grace, which I have too. But they don't follow God's vision. Paul had confidence when he said these words, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. 2 Timothy 4, 7, 8. Now, I am not saying everyone needs to be a Rhodes Scholar in the Bible. Otherwise, we'd all be in trouble, probably. Me included. Not even close. But Paul was confident because of the knowledge of the gospel. Kind of hits our class a little bit this morning, doesn't it? the knowledge of the gospel and of his relationship with Christ that was declared to him through the holy spirit also confidence the second point is exposed when you expose something what do you do you draw attention to it i expose that Everybody can see it. God Himself drew attention to His Son. Do you understand that? He exposed His Son for who He was. And He was proud of it. At the manger with the shepherds. At the house with the wise man, And at the end of His physical life on the cross, Jesus Christ was exposed. Jesus' life and ministry was not something done in a dark room. It's not an old photo lab. For those who were opposed to him, his display was a bad thing. In fact, his light was a blinding light exposing all that was evil around him. John says that he was what? The light of men. John chapter 1, verse 4. And he continues saying that Jesus' light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overtake it, comprehend, or understand, depending on your version. Do you think... The darkness of this world is still trying to overcome Jesus? Or do you think He was done way back there in the manger? Or on the cross? Now, the darkness is still pushing in on the light. And it's the light that exposes the darkness. Jesus exposes darkness. What is real? What is true? What is worthy? What is the gospel? For the time is coming. I wonder how many times it has come and gone and come and gone. But you get the point, right? For a time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine. Will not will not endure it. We don't need that parent to tell the kids about... But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own what? Passions. And passion is always something in the Bible used... For self-interest. Self-interest. It's my passion. Accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away. You get it? Turn away. That doesn't mean my eyes still focused over here. Turn away from what? Listening to the truth. And wander off into myths. Myths. Now, I like a good story. I love a good story. It can draw me in. It can captivate me. And I really love a story that can change my perspective on life. This little book right here is called Alan and Naomi. I read it when I was in grade school. It has impacted my life since then. It talks of the Holocaust. It was written as a children's book way back when. But the teaching of God and Christ in the Bible not only can captivate me and change my perspective, but it can lead me to salvation. Now tell me, how important is that? That's important. Salvation. This book can't lead me to salvation. This book can John chapter 8. We talked about this morning in class. So, when Paul says that people turn away from the truth to a myth, what is he trying to explain? He's trying to explain that in the myth, there is no salvation. In the myth, there's no salvation. In life, you have many opportunities to expose the myth and reveal the truth. Going back to Bex, easy and simple. Simple doesn't mean it's not hard. But it's not hard to figure out. Very good thoughts there, Beck's. This can come in our personal behavior. Choices, perspectives, even goals can show, are we about the truth or are we about the myth? This can come in what we care about. But the truth in God's word is not a myth. It's not a myth. And it is not to take second place to anything, anything in our life, or what is taught to our children? God said, Adam was created first, then Eve. The world says there are 56 genders. Now, will you follow the myth or will you follow the truth? Because the myth is not leading you to salvation. The truth does. You shall know the truth. The truth will set you free. Right? I would say in life... Our light should shine not only for all to see, which is good, but also to expose the darkness that's around us. For if you have a light that's shining, you're automatically exposing what's in the dark. Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Unless you follow a myth, and then they 're not going to give God glory, are they we 're in it we 're in that world we've always always have been, but it's brazen it's brazen. Readiness is the last point. a state of readiness is the ability to anticipate opportunities and threats. You might hear that in military. They're at a state of readiness. They're at a state of when a threat is coming or opportunities are coming. Business does the same thing. Threats are real. And as Christians, we live in a world where threats to God's ways are constant. Did you ever think they would go away? I hope they would. That's why I hang around you guys. Because you don't have the same thinking that the world does. And I feel comfortable around you. Because you're not a threat to me. Evolution teaches against God and His creation. Gender issues teach against God and His basic principles of life. Sexual issues and marriage, fidelity, are basics for family. But the world says, find as many partners as you can. Go out and have a bunch of kids. As Christians, we need to have situational awareness. What could affect your children toward or away from God? Do you think that's an important question to ask? Little Johnny over here, he likes this and that. But those people in that area where he would go to aren't, they got moral issues. I'm glad he likes this or that. Let's find out how we can help him with this or that. Let's teach him caution and maybe find a better area where the morals are different. Is that bad? Opportunities are also real, though. Not everyone with the wrong agenda is unwilling to listen to the truth. We shouldn't just dismiss them just because. We should take the opportunities to talk with them. Get closer. Say, Ooh, why do you believe that? I like to go up to people with tattoos. Most of us, though, are usually, sorry, um, the man in the back with the tattoos. Most people are like, ooh, tattoos, I'm running away. But I like to go up to people with tattoos. That's interesting one. What does that mean? Well, they're not used to that. And man, you can get in some neat conversations. I did that because I lost somebody in my life. Or this was an experience in my life. Wow. Are you prepared to teach them? Ooh. Prepared to teach them. Do you get the idea of preparedness? You planned ahead to get prepared. Are you prepared to teach them? All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy three, sixteen through 17 But when you hear the word short-sighted, what do you think about? My mind goes to our current government, but that's just me. But what about yourself? Well, I didn't think about that, or I didn't prepare for that. So being short sighted is kind of the opposite of being in a state of readiness. A man crashed his plane into the desert. Stranded without water, the unfortunate man trudged through the desert for hours until he could no longer walk. So he got on his knees and arms and knees and crawled, and he crawled and crawled and crawled. So he was exhausted. He ran into a man who was a tie salesman, and he said, "Sir, would you like to buy a tie?" And the guy, hardly breathing, just exhausted, tired, he says, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> You want to sell me a tie? I'm dying. And the salesman just shrugged his shoulders and moved on. And that guy continued his journey on his hands and knees, crawling through that desert. Finally, he comes to an area where there's a restaurant with neon lights, music playing, and the, cu- and the parking lot was filled with cars. He gets up to the door. Oh, please let me in and give me a drink of water. He says, sir, this is an establishment for gentlemen. We only accept people with ties. The point of the idea is short-sightedness. Are you prepared with the Word of God? Are you prepared with the Word of God? Is it around your... Is it in your pockets? Is it in your brain, your heart? Do you know why a passage is written and understand the context? Or do you get your spiritual information from somewhere unapproved by God? Paul says this, Finally, be strong in the strength of the Lord. Rather, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The devil is scheming and so are his minions. So we must put on the whole armor of God if you are part of his house. Whose house? His house. We are his people. Ephesians 6, 14 through 18, and then we'll close. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances... Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the devil or the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Making supplication for all the saints. In conclusion, the lesson is called Declare God. Declare God! Confidence. Where does your confidence lie? I hope it is in God and His Word. Exposed. God exposed Christ to the world. In the end, we will be exposed too. So we must do what? Follow the light, Jesus Christ. And third and last, readiness. Readiness requires preparation. And the use of God's word against threats and for opportunities. So the lesson is yours. If there's anyone here this morning that has any concerns, prayer.